This episode of the Open Micers Podcast is brought to you by that dirty motherfucker, BJ DeBlow. He knows exactly what he did. He would have started his own podcast, but he was too chicken shit. Let's start our own. Play some music. night and my name is jason robbins they call me superman that's s-u-p-e-r jacob craig i should have thought of a funnier quip that one took too long to get out but hey even better than my quips we have a fantastic guest for you guys tonight because we are getting in to the halloween spirit here at open micers and so we have brought on an actress that you know from the the manos film franchise which has been featured on Mystery Science Theater 3000, has several installments now. Please welcome Debbie Manos herself, Jackie Naaman Jones, to the program. Woo-hoo. How are you doing today, madam? I'm doing good. Thanks for being patient with me. I decided to keep you waiting. Oh, just that's to make okay. It more exciting. So, you know just, what? good good things are worth the wait. It's just fine. Uh, Manos Hands of Fate was actually the very first episode of Mystery Science Theater that I ever saw. Um, wow, that and you was watched uh, others after that. Oh yeah, I've been a life I've been a lifelong <laughs> fan ever since then. Um, I still actually I might still have the VHS tape uh, lying around here somewhere. Um, but that was back in the day, you know, the mid '90s when if you want you 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 either had to watch Mystery Science Theater when it was on TV, or you were you went to conventions and you know you do the whole trading VHS tapes and things like that. And um, I managed to get my hands on some Mystery Science Theater VHS tapes, and that was one of the very first ones I ever saw. So it's an honor to sit here and talk with you right now. Well, thank you. So tell us a little bit about um, the, the question I wanted to ask you is, what's it like to be in a, a movie that is considered to be uh, – a very bad movie, and then you went, you know, twenty something years without, you know, without that movie ever doing anything, and then Mystery Science Theater comes along, and now it's it's a uh, it's a cult classic. Like, yeah, what was your experience with all that? That suits me perfectly. The Mystery Science Theater fan group is—they're just my kind of people. Mm-hmm. Back in high school in the 70s, uh, my best friend and I were really into um, to uh, Firestein Theater, a group of four guys that did albums and uh, just like real clever, real, you know, along that style. And so we drove all our friends nuts because we, we, uh, we memorized all their riffs and we just always had a riff or anything anybody had to say it just drove people crazy so i get it i totally get it so yeah 27 years went by um mystery or monos hands of fate had its premiere on november 15 1966 and none of the cast and crew had really seen the film before that night with the lights borrowed from the local car dealers scanning the sky in front of the theater 
uh, Hal Warren, who created the film, had a red carpet. He had a limousine. Everybody was dressed up. My mom and I spent the whole day in the beauty parlor getting our hair done or felt like it to a seven-year-old. And, um, and then we were trapped in the theater with this really awful movie that even a seven-year-old recognized as I, I mean, I spent most of the film crying because once I saw my mouth open and some horrid voice come out of it, I was mortified. And then everybody was laughing. And so the theater canceled the rest of the two-week run. It only showed one night. And the entertainment writers for El Paso were all big fans of my dad and the local community theater. So they very mercifully let it let it disappear um but then i grew up and i always remembered that as the the greatest summer of my childhood spending that time with my dad mm-hmm. and being the only kid on set and i looked for it and once i got into high school and that's pre-internet yeah so i started looking for it and i couldn't find it university libraries film libraries it was gone and I just gave up. And then 27 years go by, my dad calls me up one Sunday. He'd been watching Mystery Science Theater while taking a nap in his easy chair, and he heard some familiar music, and there he was. He was shocked. So he called me, he told me about it. I called Comedy Central because they had that 800 number down in the corner of their screen. Mm-hmm. I, this is a Sunday afternoon. I had no idea. I was shaking. I just couldn't believe I was this close to that. And some guy in Manhattan at HBO offices answered the phone. And I told him what I was looking for and that my whole family was involved. And I thought he hung up on me because there was this long silence. And then he goes, oh, my God, are you Debbie? <laughs> I, so that was my first experience of knowing that anybody anybody else in the world cared about that movie but me. So how did they get their hands on the movie? I mean, if it if it just was just sort of more or less buried, like how did they get yeah. their hands on it? Well, I understand that that was Frank's job back then, and he would find he'd find these films and he would just watch them by himself and decide which ones to share. And from what I understand, he shared that one. And uh, and from talking to Joel, and I've, I've talked to Frank and Trace, and I've talked to all of them. And from what I understand is that when he showed it to the rest of the group, they all had their own private opinion, but everybody's waiting for somebody else to say something. <laughs> And nobody did, so it made it on the show, and they were all pretty surprised at uh, at the reception that it got. I mean, Frank described it. He said it's like a train wreck. It's just so horrible, but you just can't look away. And I, I think that probably described it really quite well. <laughs> yeah, I mean... To be honest, though, that that is my kind of movie because I'm more likely to watch something that's a one out of ten than a ten out of ten. 
Like, because I mean, there's just so much that you can get from that. I mean, trying to understand that director's vision, the natural comedy that comes with kind of being oblivious to what you're trying to make. Uh, what I'm curious to know is is why you decided after all of those years to create uh, more installments into the franchise yourself. Because it was just so much fun. I mean, these yeah. people are amazing. I've met the most amazing people through this whole experience over the years. It's crazy. Like just three months ago, I was at a small convention in Southern Oregon, and I got to meet Cesar Garcia, who was in Breaking Bad and Fast and Furious. And, and you know, he is this badass guy. What a sweetheart in real life. But he just loved the story, you know. And then um, Cassandra Peterson, who played Elvira, she showed it on her program once. And we were both guests at Crypticon Seattle a few years ago. And, and I saw her across the room, and I just wanted to meet her so bad. But she always had this huge long line of people waiting for autographs and photos. And she had this really badass woman sitting next to her that looked like a bodyguard. So, you know, I had to like check it out and see how I was going to approach her. So I walked over and I just kind of snuck up and I darted around the edge of the table and I squatted down next to her. I just started talking real fast. I go, Cassandra. I'm Debbie. I was a little girl in Monos. My dad is the master. That was our dog, the Doberman. I just kept talking, you know. And she looked at me and her eyes, all of a sudden her eyes got really big. And she looks over. In the meantime, out of the corner of my eye, I see this blonde woman like starting to get up out of her chair. I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. And then Cassandra looks at the line and she just goes, stop the line. <laughs> And then she's like, come here. And she start, just started peppering me with questions. I, I just met the most amazing people. I can't believe who I've met because of this thing. And um, it's just too much fun. And then the other thing, I, I would say the main reason I really got into it was that my dad and I, uh, weren't really allowed to have a relationship for many years because of his wife. His wife didn't approve of me. And um, and even though they just lived half a mile away, we weren't really allowed to spend time together. Wow. But for some reason, if it was Monos related, she would allow it. So I just kept coming up with <laughs> things to do, you know. <laughs> And I would get him over, and, and we had a neutral territory place, a mutual friend, and we could do interviews from his house. And and uh, I just loved it. It's like I loved sharing the stories with my dad, and I loved telling people that the master approved and that I knew that he did because he told me. And it was just it was just really fun. It made our last year's together a whole lot more fun so what was that like to to be a part of this thing when you were a kid and then you get older and you and you didn't have any idea that it's like this cult thing 
like you said, you you talked to you know Cassandra Peterson, who if you don't know who that is, that's uh, Elvira, and you know the MST3K guys did this movie, and it's like this kind of you know weird cult movie. Like, was it weird to find that out? Like, what is that like to find out something you did as a kid is now like this cult status thing? Well, it's been interesting because when I first called for that, when I called the HBO offices and talked to this young man, Matthew, and I told him what I was looking for, and I asked him if there was any way I could get a copy, and he said, yes, I just had it on my desk last week. In fact, that's our favorite bad movie here in the HBO offices. <laughs> wow. And... um Gosh, I've got it. Oh, look, I have it right here. Um, <laughs> so he mailed me uh, a bootleg. He 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 created a VHS copy for me. Wow! Wow! And he mailed it to me. And so, so you didn't even have a copy of it before then, like not even no. like a film print of it or anything. Oh no, uh-uh, nothing. I. I saw it in the theater that night, 1966, and cried my way out of the theater, and I, we never saw it again, ever. Wow. It was gone. It's crazy in how fact, things work out. my dad didn't even get, my mother made the costumes. She made the master's robe and the wife's dresses, and my dad painted the master and dog painting, and Corvo's staff, and, and, uh, and Hal Warren, who created the film, he took the painting and the robe home with him. My dad never got that property back. So, um, so since then, I, I, I'm an artist, too, and my mother taught me how to sew. So I do uh, custom-made, uh, signed and numbered master's robes. I'm working on number 26 and number 27 right now. Yeah, I was going to mention that you actually you have an Etsy store where you do a lot of Manos uh, merchandise stuff. And it's, yeah, uh, I recreated it's my dad's really cool. painting. I did, a, uh, I did a custom painting for someone, uh, a commission painting, who a guy asked me if I could paint um, Frank Zappa as the master with his poodle. And so I did that, <laughs> and I actually sell prints of that as well. <laughs> that's awesome. And I was a huge Zappa fan, so that suits me. But um it's just been it's just been a blast. I I've just enjoyed every step of it and and you know, I have people come to me and apologize that that they think it's a bad movie. I'm like, "Well, of course it's a bad movie." I mean, you know, I if it wasn't as bad as it is, then it never would have become what it is. Well, that's what I was and just so about I to say. say. If if it would if it would have been a good movie, you know, it would have never It would have disappeared like a million other yeah. decent movies, right? But no, it's it, it's it's known as uh, it's one of the all-time fan favorites, and it's been voted as fan favorite several times for the Turkey Day Award. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the definitive, to me at least, and to a lot of, you know, Misty's or MST3K uh, fans, that's one of the definitive 
mystery science theater 3000 movies you know like episodes to watch is like if yeah. you have somebody that does has never seen it like okay you're gonna watch this episode and this is this is what it's about here and it's perfect well and then i have people go well it's not the worst movie i go of course it's not i mean of course it's not there are so many really horrible horrible film out there i'm just so honored that it it loved the way that it is but since the beginning when i got this i had a three-year-old son and was living in northern california and so when this thing came in the mail i went and i watched it by myself and i was happy i was like i my quest is done i got what i wanted and I put it away and I was happy. And then, it, and then it started taking off and it continued to take off. And, and every time it would, it would reach a plateau, it would get this, all this stuff. And then somebody would create a project around it. I mean, there's been a, a stage production in Portland, there's puppet theater, there's comic books. Um, there's so many different projects created, like really talented projects. And every time it would reach a plateau, I would think it was over. And I would, I've always been happy. You know, it, it reaches that place and I'm, it's always more than I ever could have expected. But then here we are this November, it will be 55 years since wow. it premiered. And here it is. It's going again. There's so many projects. Yeah. Well, I think it's just going to be one of those things uh, that, you know, as people grow up and discover, you know, it and mainly, I mean, because Mystery Science Theater, you know, found that movie and and put it back out there. It's going to be one of those things where I think, you know, the younger generation, like parents who watched it on Mystery Science Theater or you know, Elvira or whatever, going to be like, hey, you need to watch this. And then the kids are going to get into it and then their kids and it's just going to keep going. I keep hearing stories from people. Uh, Several years ago, I was at a Comic-Con convention as a guest and uh, the man I was dating was there with me and he was having so much fun. He liked watching the crowd for people that were standing back, you know, wanting that were shy. (laughs) <laughs> and I, the one I remember in particular, this young woman who is probably like 22, 23 years old, was standing back. And he saw her. She was looking at me. And then she's looking at the banner over my head, which is a picture of me, you know, at the end scene as a seven-year-old wife of the master. <laughs> so she's looking at my seven-year-old face and she's looking at me. and and. Uh, and I, I, I go, yeah, it's me. And then he says, do you want to meet? Do you want to meet her? And this young woman, she just like, she burst into tears. I had to go hug her, you know, <laughs> like, it's okay, honey. It's okay. Don't be, it's okay. <laughs> it just astounds me. <laughs> so do you enjoy doing uh, conventions and things like that? Have you gotten to do any conventions over the last year or so? Uh, well, just uh, Meadowlark, the one in um, in Medford, Oregon, uh, this year. But next year, this 
coming weekend next year, middle October, I'll be going to Illinois to DeadCon. I'll be a guest. Awesome. But when I was at uh, Meadowlark this year, after meeting Cesar Garcia, uh, I talked to his agent before we left the show and asked her if she'd be interested in being my booking agent. And she said yes. And then I went home and I looked her up and realized, wow, I mean, she's representing some pretty big people. So I'm, I'm really quite honored. So I expect to, she asked if I had my passport because she's getting into Europe now. In fact, I think she's on her way to Amsterdam right now. Amsterdam so I would be nice. I expect to be doing a lot more traveling coming up. Well, I know some of the people that run Pensacon. I think it would be very interesting if we got you down to Pensacon one of these years I, and do a show. Yes. I was actually going to be a guest this year, but everything just kind of went wonky. But, yeah. but they want me at Pensacon. So, yeah, you put in a word for me. They'll have me. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I we think should, we should uh, do a showing of Manos yeah. and have you there. I think that'd be great. Yeah. We can show Manos Returns, too. Yes. All of them. <laughs> all of them. Well, that's a lot. We would just take over the show if we did all of them. Yeah, why not? <laughs> oh, and I have to say, you know, I, I wrote a book about it. I wrote my book, yes. Growing Up, with Manos, The Hands of Feet. And um, Joel Hodgson... The host of MST wrote the forward to it, so I'm very honored about that. That's great. And uh, I'm very proud to say it's, it's four and a half stars on Amazon. <laughs> so I wrote a very good book about a really bad movie. Awesome. I'm going to put these links, uh, your Etsy store and uh, a link to your uh, your book, um, Growing Up Manos, um, Growing Up with Manos, The Hands of Fate on Amazon. I'll put those links in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, go check out the show notes and uh, follow those links and uh, see if you'd like to spend some money. And on my Etsy site, I do autographs and, uh, you know, personalized copies as well. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, another question that I had, you know, because, I mean, you do Manos when you're you're a child. Obviously, you have, you know, your whole life ahead of you, you have to grow up before you even consider, you know, am I, do I want to be an actor? Do I not want to be an actor? But I'm curious to know, like if at any point in your career, did you kind of get disenchanted with acting or, or, or with Hollywood, or did you kind of always know that you wanted to revisit that, that world? Well, I, I grew up in theater. In fact, um, this interesting side note is, my dad was very involved in theater. He was executive director of the El Paso Boys Club at the time as his regular job. But later he became executive director of the local theater. And during those years, he always played the lead role. So all the male actors from Manos came from uh, King Henry IV. And my dad played King Henry. And that play had been just a couple months before Manos was cast. So John Reynolds, who played Torgo, Brian Jennings, who played the sheriff, um, pretty much all the men 
uh, Hal Warren was, they were all in this place. So Hal Warren looked around and he saw everything he needed for his trip. But what I think is really funny is that my dad won Best Actor of the Year award for 1966 for, <laughs> King, for the role of King Henry the Fourth. In fact, he won Best Actor of the Year award three times during his years in El Paso. But I loved the theater. That's how I learned to read was running lines for my dad when I was a child. And um, his, his art, he worked in clay and metal, uh, welding. He did wood. I mean, he just, he worked in all mediums. And I spent so much of my time just hanging out and, and watching him or or, or uh, you know, running around the theater. So that was in my blood. It was what I had to be. I've been a self-employed artist my whole life. Hey, Jacob. Yeah? We got to tell the listeners about Brez Coffee Company. Oh, they're coffee for gamers by gamers. That's them. 100% free trade Colombian coffee roasted right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. Sounds perfect for all-night gaming sessions, no matter what kind of gamer you are. Video games, tabletop, card games, Brez has what you need to keep sharp. They got all kind of flavors to choose from, like good for gaming light roast or the necro medium. See, I like a good dark roast, like the critical gaming dark. You can even add flavors to your coffee, like iCast Fireball, which is a fireball whiskey flavor. Can't decide what you want? Then just try their specialty sample pack. Whatever your coffee of choice is, they got you covered. Head on over to BrezCoffeeCompany.com and use the code OMPODCAST to check out for 10% off of your order. Amazing! So, uh, when it comes to the original movie, um, where did your dad, like, get... Where did he get the money and the equipment and everything to actually make the movie? Was it all self-funded by him, or did he have investors? This was not his movie, his idea. It was Hal Warren who played Michael, who played my father in the film. He he wrote it, he directed it, he starred in it, and it was his money. It was nineteen thousand dollars. That was a lot of money for nineteen sixty six, though. <laughs> yeah, and still not not much money. You know? Yeah, but it was it was filmed in like eight days. You know, a couple weekends and some nights. Yeah. That was done very, very quickly. And, um, yeah, so Hal Warren, apparently, um, he had some ties with Hollywood, with Los Angeles, and he had met Sterling Siliphant, who was the writer for In the Heat of the Night. And the story goes that he was having lunch with Sterling Siliphant and they were discussing movie making and Hal Warren made a comment like, um, anybody can make a movie. I can even I can make a movie. And then he wrote some idea down on a cocktail napkin. And that's apparently where the whole idea started was on a bet. <laughs> oh, wow. I bet a lot From of a movies com- start that way though. I bet a <laughs> lot of movies do. Speaking of movies, you actually have a forthcoming movie coming out November 1st. Am I correct in saying that? Um, yes. 
We'll see. I mean, we'll see. Well, it's going to take a little longer. Okay. You know, things just always seem to take longer. But um, yeah, we filmed the pilot episode for what we hope to be a web series. Uh, and it was previously, it was called Debbie, the Debbie Chronicles. Okay. But now uh, we're changing it to the Monos Chronicles so that we can build a bigger uh, group of actors, you know, just a, a bigger, bigger um, direction. But basically the story is, it's my story of uh, escaping the Valley Lodge as a child and then growing up and now I'm battling supernatural evil in the world. Wow. But then That's my a, film Manos Returns is a whole nother Manos universe. Well, if you ever need any uh, featured extras, I'm sure me and Jacob would take a drive. Oh, <laughs> there be- you yeah. go. Why not? And you're where? Where are you? We're on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Okay. Well, this is being filmed in uh, Yosemite, California, so that's not a bad place to go. Yeah, we'll do a little road trip. <laughs> uh, have a little vacation? Do some yeah. comedy while we're out there? Uh, yeah, we can yeah. get famous comedy. real quick. Well, remind me, you know, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Jason can actually act. I can act like I can act. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you were talking about um, there are a lot of bad movies out there. And yes, I, I made a short film a few years ago and uh, went around and put it in a lot of festivals. So I got to go to a lot of film festivals okay. for a, a year, year and a half. and. There's a lot of bad movies I had to sit through (laughs) at those festivals. And here's something else is I was in another movie in high school because I was very active in my high school theater. We had a wonderful drama teacher. His name was Tim Tackett, and he was a fifth-degree black belt in Mm. karate, and he had trained with Bruce Lee. He was a cool guy, and he started every acting class with uh, with Tai Chi so that we would get into the spirit of it, you know? That's not and a bad idea. See. I've never had an acting class do that, like kind of oh, cool? relax you and get you into the, you know, into the zone. That's a good yeah. idea. So he had me, as a, as a senior in high school, I got to be the first senior in that high school to direct the annual high school play and I directed Zoo Story. And um, so during my time with with him, he knew other people in Los Angeles and he knew a guy who had found a partially finished film from the late 50s. I think it had been started in the 50s and then put aside. It's a Bigfoot movie. And so this guy wanted to finish the movie and he needed a high school classroom scene. So he came to our high school on a Saturday afternoon and, and our drama class came into the school and we just did this one classroom scene. And the movie is called The Curse of Bigfoot and it is way worse than Mono. So I was, <laughs> I was gonna, gonna say that sounds like worse. a that sounds like a mystery science theater worthy movie they right did. there. <laughs> Actually, I, I can't remember now. It was either, I think maybe it was Rift Tracks 
that did. Oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Bigfoot. But look that one up. You can't watch it. I mean, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen the whole movie. It's just yeah, horrible. Yeah, no one's ever actually seen a whole episode of this podcast either. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're yep. all in the Let right place. challenge you on that. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Riff Tracks did it. And actually, uh, it's the first thing that came up on uh, oh. on Google. I uh, put in oh. Curse of Bigfoot movie Riff Tracks. And it brings you, uh, the YouTube video is right there. Yeah, and then when when you see... When you see the classroom scene, and and if you can identify me, I'm you know it's 1976, so my my hair is very thick. I have thick bangs, you know. I'm hiding behind my hair, but the kids sitting next to me with the big thick glasses and the curly hair, his name was David, and he was actually one of the kids from the Bad News Bears. Oh wow! And yeah. And he came into our high school, and he never let us forget that he was in the Bad News <laughs> But he was in the Curse of Bigfoot, too. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, pr- I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. yeah, well, when you're 16, you know. Well, I hate to do this. Uh, we'll have to have you back on the show again. I hate to uh, cut it short, but we, we got a late start tonight. And yeah. uh, I have another show to do coming up here in just a little bit. But uh, right now, uh, you can watch uh, Manos Returns, uh, manosreturns.com. You can get the movie. You get the deluxe edition DVD. Um, let's see. What else is all on here? A se- it's a sequel to the classic Manos Hands of Fate. And uh, just go to manosreturns.com. Of course, the Etsy store she has, which is Etsy. Uh, dot com slash shop slash Jackie S. Manos. And of course, the book Growing Up with Manos Hands of Fate is on Amazon. So I'm going to put all these links in the show notes. And it's been absolutely an honor to talk to you. And uh, thank you so much for, for gracing us with your presence on our stupid little podcast here. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. And uh, there's, there's, definitely a lot more coming down the line so i would love to talk to you again sometime if i could go back in time to like 1995 and tell my high school self watching mystery science theater 3000 going see that little girl in that movie you're gonna talk to her on a podcast one day first thing i would say is what's a podcast and then i would say there's no way in the world i'm gonna do that but thank you so much for coming on the show it has been an absolute honor to have you here and I will talk to the guys at Pensacon too, because yes. we gotta have you here. I want to meet you in person, and I want to sit and watch those movies with you in a theater. Okay, but, I'm, uh, I'm down with that. Is there anything you want to tell the people before we we leave here tonight? No, I'm just happy to be here. I'm glad I made it, and uh, and I look forward to the next time. And I do hope I can get to Pensacon. Yes. Uh, Jacob, anything you want to throw out there before we leave tonight? Yes. Just thank you so much for coming on, Miss Jones. Lovely to have you here. Um, If you guys want to see me do some stand up, you can come every Tuesday night uh, on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, uh, the Juke Joint at 8 p.m. in Ocean Springs. And I will be opening for Mo Alexander November 19th at the same place. Get your tickets at landmassentertainment.com. Not going to want to miss that show. And uh, yeah, that's it. And I got nothing. Just follow me at, at JFunktastic on Twitter. I'll let you know what I'm doing over there. 
Um, but yeah, if you would like to email us, you can email us at um, openmikerspodcast at gmail.com. Openmikers.com takes you to our Patreon where you can support the show, keep the lights on, and, uh, you know, help us out over there. And go to tpublic.com slash openmikers and buy some t-shirts. And we will see you guys next Tuesday. Wednesday. Not Tuesday. Wednesday. (laughs) One of these days, I'm going to get that right. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.